I've had extremely vivid dreams my entire life. When I was around nine years old, I had a particularly upsetting one that I needed to share and get out of my head, so I told my mom about it. The dream took place in the house we were living in at the time. In the dream, it was in the middle of the day, and I was standing in the living room, looking out into the backyard. All of a sudden, it was nighttime, and there was a huge fire outside. In alarm, I ran out into the backyard and saw a giant stake engulfed in flames. Tied to the post was a young girl about my age. She was screaming. There were men and women standing around, watching her burn with indifference. I had never seen this girl before, but in the dream, she was my friend. I began to cry and I called out to her as she burned alive. I didn't know what to do or how to help her. All I could do was say I was sorry over and over again. In between her screams, she shouted that she loved me, that I was her only friend, and she would come back to me. The flames overtook her and the scene disappeared. It was daylight in my backyard once more. I walked back inside, shaken and still crying, and my mom very casually asked, So, how did it go? I looked at her in disbelief and walked away. Still in the dream, I walked upstairs to my bedroom. I heard someone say my name, and I turned around and looked down the hall. The little girl from before was standing there, clothing charred, face dirty. She was looking at me, very frightened. I was so happy to see her that I rushed at her with tears streaming down my face, but she got scared and vanished. It was as if she didn't know who I was. The dream skipped ahead in time a few days, and I was playing with my dolls. I heard crying coming from down the hall. Cautiously, I stood up and followed it until I realized it was coming from the bathroom. I walked in and saw the little girl again, huddled in a dirty mass on the floor, crying with her face in her hands. I slowly leaned down and spoke to her. She looked up at me and was scared at first, but then seemed to recognize me. I told her again how sorry I was and that I would do what I could to take care of her. As I was finishing telling my mom about this dream, my brother, who has always been like the kid in the sixth sense when it comes to the paranormal, walked into the room and caught the last few sentences of my story. Horrified and not knowing that I was talking about a dream, he said, wait, you've seen her too? I'm Jamie Markey. And I am a very spooked out Michael Tatum. You've said that already, do something different. gonna judge me i can be spooked as many times you as i want you literally said that on the last one. Oh, okay well i am a deeply affected by that story michael tatum all right i'll allow it <laughs> and this is ghoul intentions today's episode is titled between the dark and the daylight from henry wadsworth longfellow's poem the children's hour and uh today's episode we're going to focus like the longfellow poem on uh, ghost stories either revolving around, involving, or that happened in childhood. Uh, that's where a lot of our own personal stories come from, of course. And we thought it would be interesting to explore that. You can always check out our blog at ghoulintentions.com for more information about whatever Michael's talking about right now. Literary bullshit, basically. Yeah, yeah, he's going to write a book report on that for you. So you can copy it and turn it in if you need to do so. Uh, we should mention that our special right. guest today, who gave us that story, and it is a personal story, uh, is Alexis Tipton. Hello. Yes, welcome. Alexis is our very first guest. Yay! I'm so happy to be here. I'm we so wouldn't excited. have had it any other way. <laughs> I know, so I, I'm really, 
Yay. I lament any guest that has to follow you. Aww. It's true. It's true. <laughs> well, I love you both so much. I'm oh, so happy to be here. Thank you. thank you. So now, how old were you when that happened? Nine. Nine. Thereabouts. Have you, has anything happened since in that? Well, that, you mean in that house? Or in that, within that story. Oh, yeah. um, well, I, after the, you know, my brother was like, oh my God, I, I had to tell him that like, oh no, 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 wait, we're talking about a dream. Like, no, 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 I'm telling mom about a dream and me having vivid dreams and chatting my mom's ear off about them is nothing new in our family. But, um, you know, it was, at first it was this, no, 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 it was a dream. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? Kind of moment. And he goes, I, oh, okay. I, I thought you were like talking about like a real girl that you saw that was like burned alive and you saw her in our house. And I was like, no, 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 it was a dream. But what were you talking about? Yeah. What? And he, and he like wouldn't answer me. Oh. <clears throat> Did you ever get an answer out well, of Well, here's the thing. My brother and I have a very interesting relationship when it comes to this type of thing. Um, my brother, as I mentioned in the story, has al I've always likened him to Haley Joel Osment's character in The Sixth Sense. Mm. Like, that is what happens to him. Like, okay. stuff visits him all the time. Mm -hmm. um, he's got a million more stories than I do. And it wasn't until he was older, he's about four years older than I am, so he was a young teenager at the time of this story. But it wasn't until probably he was an adult that he learned how to better control it. Um, but at the time, I only experienced kind of spooky things or would acknowledge spooky things that were happening to me in my dreams because I was very closed off. I knew the kind of experiences that my brother had and I was terrified to be like him. So I took every precaution that I could to like close myself off. I was terrified of all of that stuff. Um, and he knew that. So I think he just didn't want to scare me. We have had conversations on and off as we've gotten older where he has brought up old stories from when we were kids and said, hey, remember when? Here's what I always wanted to tell you and like never did. Really? Um, that one has not come up yet. And I actually just remembered this story a few days ago. So I should ask him. <laughs> is there, is there, so, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, Is there please. something that he came back and told you that just blew your mind? Just about anything in general? Yeah, like in um, those kinds of experiences. One of the things that I thought was very strange was, and, and this may seem, I mean, I'd hope that anyone who's listening to this podcast, you know, believes in the paranormal mm -hmm. or believes in ghosts or believes in, you know, psychic intuition or things like that. Otherwise, what I'm going to say probably sounds insane. But Otherwise, um, this is not the show for Right, news. I'm like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> if you made it this far... Um, but one of the things that was crazy to me was uh, um, a house that we lived in when we were small. The very first house I ever lived in that we moved away from a long time ago. Um, he and I both went through um, periods of time in our lives where we were really... Was, the house was in Wichita, Kansas, so we had basements. And we were really scared of the basement for whatever reason. Because it's a basement. It's a basement. It was a lovely basement. And we had a playroom down there. And, like, I loved being down there, but... And still so a basement. He, still a basement. Yeah. And kids still get feelings from basements. But I always had a fear. Once I turned the light on, I was okay. But in order to get to the light, you had to go to the bottom of the stairs, clear a pretty large space to get to the, the light switch. And once it was turned on, I was okay. That's just designed to make your child yeah, terrified. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so and it was a big basement and that's what like lit up the whole thing. That was like the master switch. So there wasn't like, okay, I'll turn on this light to get me this far. No, no, no. That was everything. You had to navigate through the whole dark basement. Yes. Yes. And once that's the lights like a, were on, I was fine. That's like a quest. Right? right. <laughs> right. 
At the time, you couldn't use your iPhone lights. Exactly. That was exactly because yeah, right. I'm old. Anyway, but <laughs> this is primitive um, times. Right. You had to light a torch. And I was also like five, so you know. Right. Anyway, but um, I found out later that well, let me back up. The reason that I always was scared, um, of the dark basement. I mean, not just for obvious reasons, but. I would always get this very distinct, particular image in my head whenever I would go down stairs. Um, and it was of a very particular, I can still see it in my head, um, face in the darkness, like leering at me. It was, you know, like in cartoons, like old Looney Tunes, when someone's in the dark and their eyes light up and you can see their face. Yes. It was that, but it was like a Cheshire cat grin. And, it, and, it, and I remember the sound it made. Like it had a sound, it had a face, it had a look, it had everything. What kind of sound? Like it would, it would smile. And here, and let me be clear that this is not something I ever actually saw. It was right. an image that I would see in my head every time I went down. And so my justification has always been that I felt something that I did not like and it was my child brain putting a face to something I couldn't understand. Mm -hmm. um, and it would make this like, it would, it would kind of, you know, curl its lips back and smile at me. And as it did that, it would make this kind of noise oh, and it was you know and like child's imagination running wild but i wasn't a horror movie fan back then so you i wasn't five from that yeah. yeah but let me insert here that this is your adult self talking about how you felt as a child it's mm -hmm. quite possible that i'm a big believer in that as we mature we come up with coping mechanisms to be like oh no that's just what my childhood that's that was yeah. all a dream or that yeah. was my imagination but when you're a kid you can't distinguish no you know and uh and so um fast forward a number of years my brother admitted to me that uh one of the main reasons that he was afraid of the basement was because he saw things in the dark in his mind's eye yeah um they weren't it was, he did not see that exact face but i could only see a face i could not see a form um, he saw forms and his was like giant insects, like centipedes and, I don't know if it's centipedes and insects, giant bugs. Um, but they all had faces like that, like human faces, very like, what, what is that, that horrible movie, like so, something about lunch, like strange lunch or whatever. Oh, naked lunch. Naked lunch. Like whenever I saw that movie, I was like, oh, I can't do this. It reminds me of that. It's too close, um, too close, too close, too close. They film this in our basement. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was things like that or, um... You know, and I remember him telling me, you know, because we, I didn't understand what was going on in that house. I mean, we, we both now agree, and so do our parents, that there was something wrong with that house. And, uh, um, you know, that there have been times where stories like that have come up about that house. And my brother has said, you know, Alex, I really wish you would have told me that sooner because I felt really alone. Like, and I didn't want to scare you, but I was dealing with all these things and, and it would have been nice to know that someone else was dealing with them too. And so our, our kind of general consensus was we didn't think there was anything evil in that house, but there was something that liked to mess with us. Right. Um, and I don't even think it was people. I think it was things, right. you know, oh, yeah. whatever that means to you. But, um, mm. yeah, and, like, I remember, like, I would tell, I would go to my mom and be like, something's in my room, I'm scared, something's in my room, I'm scared. And for the longest time, it was, no, there's not, no, there's not, no, there's not. And then I knew it. My mom, like, I knew when it was all real because my mom finally, she admitted it to me in the form of telling me, sweetheart, if there's something in your room, you need to sit up and be a big girl and tell it to go away. And I was like, you admit there's something here! <laughs> Translation. I'm not doing that shit for you no. anymore. You on your own, girl. Right. No. And, so, and I saw lots of weird things in that house that I, for a very long time, told myself were dreams because I didn't know how they could even be possible. Um, well, you know, yeah. interesting about dreams and being a kid, my very first memory is, uh, of, is a dream where I was 
in a like I was in a chair and there was a doctor there he had a lab coat on and my mom was there but I couldn't hear anything and I could tell she was trying to tell me everything was gonna be okay but I couldn't hear her and, mm. and my ears hurt really bad and that is this nightmare that I had and I remembered you know my whole life and when I was in my late teens I was talking to my mom about it I was like this is one of the oldest dreams I've ever had and she said that wasn't a dream I was deaf when I was a kid. I had really bad ear infections and oh, my wow. ears had closed up so they had to put tubes in my ears. Oh. And I had anesthetic and everything, but I had so much pain in my ear yeah. that I was just in constant pain. Um, I wasn't really big on like bitching about pain when I was a kid. <laughs> so nobody ever knew if I was hurting because right. I never said anything. And so they just kind of had to figure that I wasn't hearing anything. So that was actually a genuine memory. It wasn't a dream. Yeah. But my life up until then, and had she not told me, I would have thought it was a dream my whole life. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that, you know, it makes you wonder what else was real. Yeah, like, where, oh, where is yeah. the line? Like, did because... Medusa chase me down the hallway and I turn into a snake? Because that may have happened. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I, I mean, we have so I'm many... so glad you're fine now. <laughs> Thank you. I've recovered completely. I mean, I, there's got to be some stage in our development where, you know, dreams... You know, and the the line separating dreams from reality is just indistinguishable as a mm -hmm. kid. And I think maybe as an adult, I, I think that a lot of things that we go through as a child, we end up remembering as though we imagined them. And mm -hmm. it may just be that that's a coping mechanism of adulthood going, oh, well, yeah. that was a dream. Because it doesn't, as we, you know, as we are conditioned by the world uh, that we grow into to think of those things in that way. Mm -hmm. um, because, I mean, I, I can remember having dreams or thinking of things with dreams and then talking to my parents and be like, no, that, that actually happened. I mean, I, th I think a lot of us yeah. have that. So it could be, um, I don't know, I'm fascinated by that. Like where the yeah. difference between dreams and reality, especially when you're a kid, is so... Well, and dreams have been such, which is one reason why I chose to tell that story, dreams have been such a huge part of my life. Like they have affected me since I, I mean, and which is why I remember dreams that I had so long ago so vividly because they've always been so vivid. Um, it's hard to forget things that imprint on your mind that graphically. <laughs> now, of course, not no. to not to mess with your head, but have you ever considered the possibility that a lot of the things you think of as dreams were in fact real experiences, like the way that your brother had? Maybe your brother yeah. just lacked the ability oh, to no, conceive absolutely. of them as dreams. Well, especially ever since my brother, when I got older, we started having these talks when I was in high school and. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Because my at the time, my brother was kind of going through a phase where he wanted to try to force me to be more, quote-unquote, open. Um, he's like, you know, you, you've closed yourself off to all this, and I don't think you should, and I think you need to open yourself up. And you, you, no one can make that decision for you. And so, and I resented him for that. And he would he would come into my room, and we'd talk about this stuff, and then I'd get freaked out before I went to bed. And, you know, um, but these conversations, like, it really did lead me to reevaluate a lot of my memories that I had written off. And I... And, there's one in particular that I'm thinking of right now where I was like, that seems impossible, but there was also physical evidence that it mm. happened. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's yeah. another thing. <laughs> when and, there's and, evidence, it's hard to ignore. And, and sometimes, you know, maybe it's it, part of it was a dream, but it could be the dream was you working out an actual experience you just mm -hmm. didn't remember having. Dreams frequently mm -hmm. have that role to play in our lives. And I clearly remember... there was trauma because I remember yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I remember it happening. And vivid dream. I mean, it's... and. I mean, I had a dream for the longest time when I was a kid, um, and I, I continue to have it now. It's a stress dream. It's a very specific stress dream, and it involved um, 
it revolved I'll tell the, the story in a later podcast but it revolved around something that I that actually happened that did not involve me at all it was just a, it was like I, I dreamt my whole life of this particular thing happening and it was always a weird dream it wasn't uh, obviously a nightmare it was just a very uncomfortable setting and it didn't make sense and then I would wake up from it freaked out and thinking it meant something and it couldn't you know puzzle out what and then uh, I got my wisdom teeth removed at 18 and I passed out on the couch afterwards on, on pain meds and woke up to my grandfather and my and my mother having a conversation about something that I was like I just dreamt that like I just oh. dreamt what you're talking about and I talked to my mother about it later and she says yeah you're you're dreaming about something that more or less actually happened but you were not there this was you know we've never talked about it and, oh. and that's the only such dream I've ever had in my mm -hmm. life but just because it's a dream doesn't mm -hmm. mean it's not just how whatever it was mm -hmm. made an impression on you or got to yeah. you. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. and it doesn't, I mean, that doesn't mean that maybe, you know, when you were really young, people talked about it thinking you wouldn't understand it and put it together. That's true. You know, in that's that true. dream. Um, not that that's what happened, but, you yeah. know, there, there, are, there are other answers. Dreams, I think are, for dreams a lot are tricky. Of these, but they're mm -hmm. tricky. My, um, I guess, question, which you can't answer but it would be what what would you have seen or experienced at five years old that would make you dream about a little girl burning alive i know that happened when i was nine that was nine, nine. Yeah, but still, still five, at but nine still, what yeah, would nine. you have experienced well and then point? i and then as when i got older i was like was that something that happened on the land once upon a time right you know was this like a witch burn because i got the feeling that it was like a witch burning the, 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 I mean, sounds, I mean, that was the impression yeah. I got from the story. Um, yeah, and then and then the fact that it, or, or, I don't know, maybe I burned alive in a past life, and this little girl was me in a past life. Right. I don't know. You it know? was like a memory dream. Yeah, that I was of... I was interacting with myself. Like yeah. it could have been something like that. Yeah. I don't know. There's a tradition among among the ghost story uh, idea of children being far closer to those experiences than mm -hmm. than people because. Uh, Children are just closer to what it is to be human. I mean, we haven't grown, we haven't matured into the sort of cynicism that that protects us from saying, "Oh, that was just a dream," or "Oh, that was whatever." Well, you know, far more open, open, which is why things make contact with children uh -huh. constantly. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, children. I mean, you know, a, a child may interact with a ghost and think, "Oh, it's my imaginary friend." Like, there's nothing bad right. about or that. Or it's a real, yeah. it's a yeah. real, this is a real person, and there's nothing and wrong okay. with this yeah. because I haven't mm -hmm. been taught to be afraid of this mm -hmm. or the way that this entity is interacting with me is not threatening so why would i be upset about it right you know, exactly so. and i think the proof is in the fact that even if we're, we're not even talking about the subject of ghosts or the supernatural you know as you get older society kind of dictates that you have to close yourself off from certain mm -hmm. things that come very easily to children uh you know i mean how many times do you pretend uh you know, when you're a child, if you're really enjoying yourself doing something on the trip or on a roller coaster or whatever, I mean, you just, you're, it's your whole being just lights up and you cannot hold back. It's like a right. dog. It's happy to see when you come in, you know, and when you're sad, you can't hold back. You sob uncontrollably um, for the most part. You know, it's only later that you learn, you know, to be a little cynical and, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to appear to enjoy what I'm enjoying quite so visibly because it makes me look naive right. you know mm -hmm. or if I'm if I'm going through some kind of deep emotional pain I don't want to inconvenience people so mm -hmm. I'll hold I'll just go on to it and so you know definitely there's a it's kind of interesting that that the idea of ghosts is so tied clearly to that of death and yet children uh, traditionally are thought to be much close children and, and the elderly mm -hmm. uh, el the elderly for obvious reasons right but children it's like they just 
It's like they just maybe came from that same kind of nebulous world, whatever happens before or after this little brief light we have on Earth, you know, who knows? But I think mm -hmm. it's, it's really fascinating to think about children and their relationship to the paranormal because they don't conceive of it as paranormal at all. It's perfectly yeah. normal. And there were a lot of things that I was terrified of as a kid, but there were also some things that happened that I wasn't terrified of. And, you know, and my, my brother has a lot of stories like that too. So um, I think it just kind of depends on how the information is presented to the child, you know, the right. experience. And, um, but then again, I've, I've talked to other people who had, to me, horrifying experiences as children, and they didn't think they were horrifying as a kid. So, yeah, you know, it's yeah. It's usually a reflection of what the adults thought yes. about what you were going through the adults reacted to it and they're like oh and then then you're afraid because the people that protect you are afraid mm -hmm. right um but if you're lucky enough to have you know guardians or caregivers in your life that are um you know attuned to that sort of thing or just wise enough to be like oh no it's just it's whatever don't worry about that monster in your closet it's just ralph right. you know you know they can uh, sit up and tell him to go away sweetheart you know <laughs> <laughs> I, that was i think that was a very wise thing for your mother to have done because it empowered you to be Except like if you are afraid i of was it. terrified of it answering back so i yes. never did that that's the fear of don't look because don't look in the mirror because there's going to be something standing behind you my yeah. my coping mechanism which i still I mean, due to this day, if I think something's in the room, um, silly. I just lay perfectly still because I have it in my head that if, if whatever it is thinks I'm asleep, it won't bother me. Right, it's like a T-Rex. <laughs> right. From Jurassic Park. Think, you just I have to be still. Be perfectly still. Yes. Vision's based on movement. <laughs> I, think, I can remember having similar thoughts as a kid when I thought there was like a monster. It was always, I had a very specific monster in my closet. It was a mummy. I was terrified of mummies. I don't, I don't know why. I think, I, I think I'm, uh, that's not true. I do know why, actually. It suddenly popped in my head. Uh, for I was at a Halloween party when I was in like first grade and we watched the the old, old, barely talky uh, <laughs> Boris Karloff movie, The oh. Mummy, which is frightening for, Very you know, I guess I was probably eight, nine, ten, somewhere in there. And I was terrified of mummies after that until I saw an old street, uh, Three Stooges episode where they like, mm -hmm. they were being chased by a mummy and they like unwrapped him and it was like, it was clearly, you know, slapstick and I was like, oh, mummies are funny now and I felt bad for them. And so it wasn't, <laughs> but, um, they're being hazed. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, poor mummies. They just want to sleep and people keep waking them up. Yeah. And, um, but I, I remember as a kid having this idea that like, if I don't move, if I'm asleep, then how, it's not even fair for whatever this is to attack me. So yeah. <laughs> my, my belief in the fundamental fairness of the universe, yeah. which only a child could have, uh, <laughs> made me think, well, if I'm asleep or pretending to be asleep, it can't, it just, it has no right to mess with me. I, well, and I, couldn't, I couldn't even put the blanket over my head. That was like, mine. If it does that, it'll know I'm, it'll know I'm awake. Yeah, no, it yeah. was, mine was the whole, if I can't see it, it can't see me. <laughs> but I didn't want to suffocate, so my nose would be sticking out. So as long as it didn't see my nose, everything was going to be fine. What's great, though, is, uh, we've, ha we have a couple submissions that we can read that, uh, it's just nice to know that we're not the only ones, you know, mm -hmm. we're not alone. Mm -hmm. Listeners, you are not alone if you had some, some crazy stuff happen to you as a kid or Or that revolved or, to if, your you, or children. if you were a parent and your yeah. children, yeah. Yeah, so our next uh, submission, Michael's going to read, and it yes. is from our listener, submitter, Michelle. I once worked at a metaphysical bookstore giving tarot readings. Customers took a shine to my straightforward but affable approach and readily acknowledged my talent for the work. One afternoon, a woman not much younger than myself bustled in with three small children in tow. She seemed drawn to me and asked the manager if I would read for her. 
Though no obvious signs of abuse were in evidence, the thought, battered wife, sprang to mind almost immediately. She took a seat at my table, somewhat nervous. I broke out my mahjong deck. This is far and away my preferred method of divination, as the repeating symbols tend to give a more visible theme to the reed, and, in contrast to tarot or other forms of soothsaying, suggest an overall timeline. Among the cards in a mahjong deck are the so-called guardians, indicating the sitter is being watched over by a divine presence. It so happened in this particular reed that the young woman and her brood were all being looked after, a first in my experience. Even rarer, she and the children were directly represented by heaven cards, strong indicators of positive binding transformation. A reader almost never encounters more than one of these in a sitting, yet in front of me now were all four. The obstacle cards came next. The knot, predictably a snarled issue difficult to untangle. The north card, cold, winter, darkness. Then her solution card, in this case the tortoise, representing patience and resolve. Lastly, the outcome card. For her, entrance, commerce, the east, the sun rising over new beginnings. At this point, bear in mind, the woman hadn't given me the specifics of her situation, only that she needed advice. I looked at her, at the children, at the cards. I felt the blood leave my face. Ma'am, I said quietly, your husband will never hurt you or these children again. My instincts were dead on. She began to cry and unburden herself of an all-too-familiar account of domestic abuse. She wanted to leave him, but feared what he might do. She thanked me effusively, tears in her eyes, and left. I took off work early, not long after, feeling sick, but I hadn't had the chance to divulge everything the cards told me. A week or so later, she came back, looking radiant and happy. She hugged me and showered me with thanks. As I knew what she was about to say, I held my breath. The woman had gone home after our sitting and told her husband she intended to leave him, that she would be taking the kids with her. The man threatened, begged, groveled, any and everything he could think of to keep her, but she was firm. The next day, her children safely in school, she received a phone call at work. Taking up his theme from the previous night, he begged from the other end of the line, threatened, but she wouldn't be moved. She knew, after all, divine protection was on her side. She told him in no uncertain terms it was over. He would never raise a hand to her or to the children again. What she told me next made my blood run cold. Over the phone, in a fit of despair, the man shot and killed himself. I hazily remember a stream of heartfelt thank yous and well wishes before she turned and walked out of the store and out of my life forever. The next thing I knew, I was emptying the contents of my stomach into a toilet. As long as I live, I will never forget that woman's face. Damn. Wow. Gina. Yeah. Wow. You know, and it's it's interesting, you know, in, the, in this story we're protecting the children, right? This is all about protecting mm -hmm. children. Mm -hmm. What kind of story makes me wonder if that spirit followed them afterwards, you know, mm -hmm. that's a lot. Or if that was the purpose, and then right, right, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and what a lucky thing that that you know the spirit, if there was a divine presence, and it sounds like there was, kind of watching over all four of them, mm -hmm. um, that it led them to this this 
bookshop where she could read yeah. the tarot card, the, the, excuse me, the Mahjong cards, and, you know, I didn't even know Mahjong was a yeah. thing with cards. I didn't know either. Yeah. I thought you could use it for divination. Yeah. That was so cool. Apparently, I mean, I mean, but that, but that, I just play it on my flights. That's, <laughs> that's an interesting point you bring up. Most means of divination that we think of as being, you know, psychic or whatever, started life as games, as yeah. children's games. Tarot decks, that was a form, that was a card game. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, you know, the, the standard 52 card deck that we know of today and the tarot kind of started life as the same thing mm -hmm. and just kind of, you know, split off into different things over time. And only later, I mean, tarot just started out as a game. Yeah. Um, I imagine reading tea leaves, yeah. you know, runes, uh, um, runes Ouija, board. Ouija board, all started. I mean, I mean and, and Mattel was selling it or something. Right, right? it's still yeah. marketed I mean, as yeah. as a children's and you can buy game. It at Toys R Us. So isn't that interesting? That something that we, at some point in our cultural history, is associated with childish thing, uh, childish thing becomes a means for tapping into the paranormal and and seeking advice or talking with the other side. I think, again, as a testament to the power of childhood and our, the way we as adults conceive of it as, uh, you know, that's, man, being a child is really, you're just more innocent and therefore more in touch with that side. Um, and by innocent, I mean that you just haven't had the time to mature into all these cynical concepts of, oh, that isn't true or this is, you know, you don't, you haven't built a life for yourself that these things represent a threat to. Um, so they're just there. They're a fact of the matter. I had a friend who grew up um, on a Mojave Indian reservation. She was in fact, you know, one half Mojave, her mother was full. And for her, uh, I didn't meet her until she was in her teens and had moved to Texas. But for her, uh, the spiritual world was just a fact of life. She had yeah. no, she didn't even have an opinion about it. It was so, it was like, you might as well have asked her what she felt about her legs or her hands. Right. It was just, it was just part of what who she What are your thoughts was. on gravity? Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's just it's just there, and so it was. And and like any kind of you know uh, class of experience, you know there were bad things and there were good things and there was every shade in between. So it's interesting that we we tend to lose that as we get older. I, I, she is, in fact, as she got older, felt that she lost touch with with her ability to read into things. She had very vivid dreams as too. Mm -hmm. This friend of mine growing up, and almost always they portended something that would that actually Talk about occurred. pressure right i mean because right? then even if you're just having some bullshit nightmare that's because of something you got to be thinking what the hell is going to happen what now does this mean that's i don't need that kind of pressure <laughs> not in my life well and, and back to this story i mean what i was thinking was oh my gosh thank god this woman wasn't a cynic when it came to that kind of stuff and like right. but also i mean i also wonder you know because usually people kind of I just I have so many questions like I I wonder if she'd ever gone to someone before or if she was just so desperate that it was like I'll try anything like I want to know what this woman's background was like when it came to the paranormal like had she ever had any kind of divination reading done mm -hmm. was it a you know I mean well and why I mean she, clearly she was in a situation of you know make it or break it with mm -hmm. him and why what would lead you to a point that this psychic tarot card reader that you've never met before is going to be that deciding factor. Yeah. That is a lot of pressure mm -hmm. on, a, on a reader, first of all. Well, and she probably but, felt she had nowhere else to go. I yeah. mean, because, you know, I mean, she, there weren't authorities she could go to that wouldn't just, you know, tell her your standard, like, oh, well, if anything happens, let us know. And then, But that's the point. You don't want something to happen. So right. she had to go to someone that 
might be able to let her know what was going to happen mm-hmm. so that she could plan around that and make sure the kids were safe and, and to give her strength. And of course, it's all, I mean, it's all conjecture, we're all guessing, but sure. I feel as though something must have pushed her to that point yeah. to need that mm-hmm. that help from another mm-hmm. dimension or realm or whatever, yeah. you know. <laughs> And Whatever it, it is, she needed needed more, you know. And, and it's it, more than just like give me some lottery numbers. It's right, right. Yeah. Well, I think to consult us, I guess I'm, I've consulted psychics before, mm-hmm. and I think broadly speaking, there are two reasons to do it. Either you are in dire straits and need advice that just cannot come from anywhere else because no one else is qualified. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or it's just fun, entertaining. Like, oh, let's see if they can, you know, it's like, it's like a 20 questions game. Let's see if they can figure me out, you know, and I've, right. I had that, I've had that happen before where I've gone and just had a, a reading and sometimes you get someone who's really good and tells mm-hmm. you something about yourself that you're like, oh, I didn't even, oh, oh wow. Okay. That's, that's yeah. earth shattering to know that yeah. someone could see that in me. Which and leads I've, you to the third option, which mm-hmm. is that you just love your psychic so much. You want to see her again. <laughs> that's, that's true. Well, we know someone like yeah, that. Yeah, we do. She's pretty uh, great. Hopefully we'll get her on the show in future episodes oh, because be cool. she's amazing. But I, it's funny when you, when you think about psychics, I think every psychic I've ever met who, who I've considered genuine has been, has also had a very childlike mm-hmm. uh, demeanor. Not, not in the sense that they're immature or, um, blasé about things that adults find moments but they are connectivity they're playful they seem much more Mm -hmm. open to to uh, they're also very straightforward they don't you know if they uh, they've seen some shit i think they (laughs) they have to be yeah i guess when you're when you have have access to that kind of otherworldly information i guess you you have you have there's absolutely no excuse (laughs) to be uh, to be cynical. And no or, one wants or, to go to a psychic who's like, you know, okay, I'm really terrified of the information I'm about to tell yeah. you. It's like, no, no, no. It's like a doctor. You don't want a doctor to be like, ah, mom. You have, you have, I'm so sorry. I can't. Like, oh my God, what a great idea for a story of like a doctor that just is like takes all the pain of, of her patients on, you know, herself before. She's, she's extremely like, empathetic. To the point where, to the point where the patients actually have to calm her down. Or they just have so much like social anxiety help, they can't talk them. to people. <laughs> Hi, Mrs. Smith. <laughs> But how many times, so bringing it kind of back around to the theme of childhood, you know, how many times, uh, how many stories do we see or hear or, mm-hmm. or have of our own that involve a child saying something that, that we're like, what? And then some, and then turns out to have been weirdly true, Ugh. you know, because children are, of course, very honest. They don't know how else to yeah, be. They filter. I mean, when children so lie. Filter is taught. <laughs> children do lie. Let's not, let's, let's be real. Children yes, lie. But their motives for lying are usually to just protect themselves from getting in trouble. <laughs> Like they don't, they don't, they lie about, you know, did you steal the cookie? And they're like, I don't want you to be mad. So no, I didn't steal the cookie. But they don't lie like in a Machiavellian, like, oh, it's interesting what my teacher said about you. You know, they don't, they don't, they lie, they don't lie like that's an old. But not before a certain age. If your child does at a young age, you might look into it. You might. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. take them to a psychic and see how that's going to play or out. Or a psychiatrist. <laughs> or both. Medication you... might be your answer. I'm just, it's just, I'm just throwing it out some, there. Some it's an option. Right. Yeah. Soften your psychopath. Is That's just rules to live by. <laughs> that sounds like a book idea. <laughs> Soften, Soften your psychopath. Your psychopath. I'm going to so write that, it. Yeah. I'm going to write it. So we have another one from Gina. Uh, she submitted a story I'm calling Nursery Ghost. So you know it's about children. 
<laughs> Good to know. Good to know what I'm, what I'm in for. You're welcome. <laughs> I grew up in a small tourist town in Ohio. Until I started college two years ago, my parents would take me to the same church in Port Clinton every Sunday. From what I remember, the church had been there for quite a long time. I'd say at least 60, 70 years. When I was young, I was told several ghost stories from other kids, mostly the pastors, about strange sounds they'd hear after dark or of the man who would stand in the boiler room and stare at those who passed by. The eight-year-old me did not believe in ghosts and thought these were just silly stories made up to scare kids. After one Sunday service, I went to the nursery. I've always loved babies and little kids, and while I wasn't old enough at the time to help, I would always go after the service to say hi to the kids that were there. The nursery was divided into two separate rooms with an open doorway between them. There was only one young toddler left by the time I got there. The girl's mom and nursery workers were talking in one of the rooms while the girl was playing in the other. I walked past the adults to go play with the little girl, and I remember being struck by how much colder it felt in that second room. Looking back, it was kind of weird that there would be such a drastic temperature change, especially since there was an opening between the rooms. I sat down with the girl and played with her for a few minutes before her mom told her it was time to go. As she got up, she looked into the corner of the room where a toy bus was sitting and waved. As soon as she turned to walk away, the toy bus went off. Music played and lights flashed, even though we never touched it and no one else was there to turn it on. That's when I started to get suspicious. I went back into the room with the adults as they wrapped up their conversation. Just as the mom started to leave, the little girl looked back into the other room. She smiled, gave a big wave, and said, Hi. I shit you not. From the empty room, I heard a man's voice whisper a reply. Hi. I was in shock. I looked at the mom, but she looked frozen. She had to have heard it too. Without a word, she picked up her daughter and we all left the nursery together. So church. Oh. oh. <laughs> God. Oh, there's so many things creepy about that. Right. <laughs> right? Like, where to start? Just layers. Oh. Ah. Wow. I mean, there's the toy going off. There's the voice. There's the fact that there's even an entity to acknowledge. And then the fact that it's like a grown man uh-huh. playing with a little child. I was thinking in it was going to be. I, I was thinking it was going to be like the ghost of a child or something. Yeah, she was playing same. With. And then the the big twist was, oh no, it's if it's it's a ghost. Of course, sure we saw that coming, but it's a guy. It's like an older dude. Yeah. Ugh. yeah. That's so creepy. Many layers of creepy. But that you know, it takes us back to what we were saying about kids. Like she just thought there was a guy there, mm-hmm. and she was saying hi to him, so he didn't creep out the little uh. girl. Imagine having to be a parent and not only, like, you have to teach your kids about stranger danger. Of course, it's essential, but, like, sometimes that stranger will be dead. Don't get into yeah. this And you van, have to be careful. Don't get into this. And don't play with adult ghosts. Yes. yes. Don't get into this van and do not move into the light, Carol Ann. Right. <laughs> if they don't have skin, you're not allowed to play with them. No. No wonder adults don't believe in ghosts much of the time. It's so complicated. Right. If the I think go- the lesson with is... taller than you. Say no. <laughs> right. I feel like the lesson with this episode is that children are terrifying. Yes. Just say no. And children sometimes don't know when to be terrified. Mm-hmm. 
Like, like no, stop talking right. to the creepy man playing with the bus toy. <laughs> right. Well, what and to him, to her, he may not have been creepy. One of my, you know, it's, it's, it stands to, one of my favorite ghost stories, uh, fictional ghost stories, I say fictional, of course, there's always a chance that, that Henry James, the writer, based it on true experience mm-hmm. because he did that sometimes. But my one of my favorite, if not my absolute favorite ghost story in the English language is the novella The Turn of the Screw, which centers around yeah. a pair of, of children, uh, siblings, that and their, and their uh, nanny, and they're being haunted by these very menacing adult ghosts of former servants who, who clearly you know, had some awful things in mind for these children. Like they clearly are trying, throughout the novel, they're trying to, at least the suggestion is they're trying to lead these children to their deaths because they're, uh, as many ghosts are in such stories, they're envious of the living. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, their, their, respo- their kind of psychotic response to that is to, like, well, I'm going to kill you too, or at least get you to kill yourself. Or something. Right. It's well, terrifying. If I can't have it, neither can you. Yeah. Well, Not that that's that... what was going on in this story, of course. No. It could be just but a that's... friendly ghost that liked children. Well, and it's the juxtaposition mm-hmm. about new life, right? You have a new mm-hmm. life, you have mm-hmm. innocence mm-hmm. versus death, uh, which is not at all innocent. So mm-hmm. it's, it's it's the opposite of innocence, the opposites, really. and, and they're so connected, which has a tendency to make them more terrifying. But you know, you think about the terrifying things kids say too mm-hmm. about what they see. I remember in the story that I told with the lights that went off in a yeah. previous episode. Yeah, yeah, I was at the same ghost tour, <laughs> and I remember a little girl looking at the landing. She was probably three, and she was. I had been kind of watching her because. Uh, children creep me out and so <laughs> I don't trust them so I had my eye out on her and she was looking up the stairs and at the landing and she was staring at the landing and kind of giggling Aww. my brother and I were both watching her and uh, then she waved like no. real little like a little wave <laughs> to nothing and uh, <laughs> Luke and I both looked at each other with our eyes bulging out of our faces like oh my I have no idea what that part of the story was in the I, ghost tour because I was having my own <laughs> experience. You're having your own moments. I, yeah. one, of, one of the most haunting moments I've ever had in my long experience with these kinds of things was a friend of mine who had uh, a child who was two years old at the time. And we witnessed him sitting in his crib talking to, uh, in gibberish, someone who wasn't there, or at least someone who we couldn't see. And he would uh, pick up a toy that was randomly nearby him and hold it out, like as though to, you know, hand it to whoever or whatever this was. And, and you know, then, then he would put it down and take another toy as though he was like, well, how about this? How about this? Have No? Okay, how about this? And eventually he he put his own hand through the, the bars of the crib and uh, whatever it was seemed to touch him because then he mm. recoiled and giggled. Mm. And that was that was all. And, and she busted in the room and was like, get out of my house! <laughs> and that was, but that was, I will never forget that image. And I saw nothing. It was just what yeah. I couldn't see, but clearly what was so absolutely there for this child who had been asleep i might add for oh. four or five hours at this point so it's not like the kid mm. was just up and in play mode right um so this kid woke up and was having a very real to him at least experience that for all intents and purposes all it all it you know was missing from our perspective was the actual person right <laughs> well, yeah it's like my uh, my mom said that when my brother was a toddler like this was before i was even a thought um that he had I don't remember what the friend's name was but he had a friend and he would tell my mom about this friend and how this friend visited him at night 
Was and it a little girl? Was she burned? No. <laughs> no, it was a boy. And I think his name was, like, Frank or something. Um, but, yeah, he would tell my mom in, in, like, vivid detail about the places Frank took him. And places that there, there are no, there's no way he could know about what he was talking about unless he had been there. And so he'd talk about, like, the beach, for example. Okay, well, we were in Kansas at the time, uh, landlocked. And, um... You know, okay, so a kid sees the ocean or the beach on television. Okay, well, that's that's one thing. But he would tell my mom, the water was cold, and I would put my feet in the sand when it was wet and wiggle my toes around. And, like, things that you, you, you know, the, the, the air smelled salty. And, like, things that you could not know unless you had somehow experienced it. So she thinks he was astrally projecting um, somehow. And she, like, had all his toys cleansed and, like, was all freaked out because he thought, she thought, maybe Frank's not a good thing. <laughs> Yeah, but... It's going to be terrifying for a parent yeah. uh, who, who believes to, to think of their children being so vulnerable. Yeah. To... And, like, my child is clearly, even if he's not physically ever leaving his bed, he is being taken somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, however that's happening. He's being taken somewhere and someone is influencing all of this. <sighs> so, yeah. Very creepy. Yeah, definitely. He, he loved it, obviously, but <laughs> no <laughs> was wonder, not scared of it at all. No wonder so many of us are in a rush to grow up. Right? <laughs> For real. God. To uh, close out, Alexis, I believe you have another story for us? Oh. I mean, you're a treasure trove of these stories, but so we're going to we're gonna have you tell another one. Oh, and we're just kind of We're going to prick you with pins and needles as you tell it. Like, what about <laughs> that? Wait, where you go? So this oh, is. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, so this is. Um, just oh, minor harassment. That's all. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Because we're. Uh, because that's I've already. I've we told are. a few other stories. Like, I, kind of I, I think yeah, we all right, have. Right, right, right. But this is um, something especially. Yeah, I'm, well, you know, I was going to, I was going to tell a different one, but we, we got on the subject of, of, you know, earlier about, oh, things that we thought were dreams and we thought they were real. And I, I made, um, reference to something and I think I'm going to tell that story. Okay. Excellent. Um, and it's short, short and sweet. Um, so this was in that same house that I've been talking about, not where the, the dream about the girl burning took place. I've lived in three houses with my family in my lifetime. Um, this was the one that I grew up in that I said in Kansas that I said my brother and I thought something was messing with us in the house and creepy basement and all that stuff. Mm. Um, so this is the dream that I, or, well, what I thought was a dream as an adult. It was not a dream as a child. Um, this is the one that I, I mentioned earlier that it was hard to dispute because there was physical evidence left behind. Um, so I remember going to sleep, trying to go to sleep one night. Uh, my parents were still awake. Uh, the way that house was set up was we had just one big hallway and it was my room first and my brother was next door and then our parents were at the end of the hallway and then there was a bathroom in there as well um my parents so my parents were at the opposite end of the hall as me and they were still awake and everything i just laid down and was trying to go to bed and of course my bedtime was much earlier um i don't know how old i was maybe six or seven at the time and my bed... This was between basement incident. Yes. And before... Girl burning. This girl burning. Girl burning was in a different house. That one was in California. So this was before we moved to California. Okay. Um, Some kids just have, like, you know, their parents put little pencil markers on door things like this tall. <laughs> and you have, like, creepy basements. Or, like, that's... Right. Those are, those are the, the, the measure of your, yeah, of your yeah. development no, as just, a child. And it just gets worse. Yeah, like, what ghost you know. story was happening to me at what point in my life? And that's how yeah, I Yeah, and, and I feel like, you know, the world of the paranormal was like, well, she's 13 now. It's been a minute. What are we going to hit her with now? Like, <laughs> she's, she's old enough to get this now. Yes. Let's do it. Like, there's um, a ratings board for paranormal right? experiences. <laughs> She's, She's ready for a PG-13 
terrible experience. She's, she's going through a, a renaissance, if you will, a fear. Let's just stoke that fire because her brother's being a shit right now. So let's just, whatever. Um, so anyway, so the way that my room was laid out, um, my bed was against the wall and I was looking at the door to my bedroom. And my room was kind of a more of a rect or, yeah, rectangle shape, so I had all this space to the left of me. It was, mo it was the entire room. And it was a big room, especially for a child. So, just giving you an idea of the space we're dealing with. Okay. Um, so I, Lucky, you had such a nice room. I did. I was, I'm sure my brother hated me. Anyway, <laughs> his room was much smaller. Um, anyway, so I was, I was going to bed. I could kind of still hear my parents down the hall as they were, you know, doing whatever. Wait, and he was older than you? Yes. And he had the smaller room? Yes. <laughs> That's some bullshit. I know. Um, you were clearly the better He had, <laughs> Right? <laughs> he had to fit in all of those ghosts in that tiny I little know. room. No one well, did. you know what? That's probably the thing. They were like, you know what? We love you, kid, but you I just freak us out too much. What? The fuck was that? <laughs> did my phone just really do that? I'm glad you think it's funny, bitch. What did you say to her? No, I don't know. It just went off, and it was just said, "Ha ha." She totally said, "Ha ha." I'm glad she. My phone just fucking told me, "Ha ha." I'm glad you think it's funny, and it well, was in my pocket. Us, it probably pushed the button in your pocket, and, and you were laughing, and she, you, it was Siri. You, you just getting paranoid sorry, now. I'm so sorry. No, we have an like, explanation for that. Yeah. Just a little. What were I you mean, saying? I laugh a lot. We've laughed a lot tonight <laughs> he does. with he my does. phone True. in my pocket, he does laugh. and my phone has never said that before. So it's like someone took is this, offense. Is this like more than what's been going on? A hundred thousand percent more. Well, yes. you're welcome. Is, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Well, I mean, after three me. episodes, I guess the ghosts in this house know we're serious. Yeah. To be to to, in case I want to leave this in, uh, to, <laughs> to explain what has happened in this podcast, this particular episode. Um, I had a dog food bowl uh, mysteriously fall down the floor by itself. Um, we heard my fiance during the podcast get home. Or who we thought was your fiance. Right. We yeah. heard the dogs downstairs. The we front door open. The front door open. We heard the alarm talk to us. Uh, and he, uh, I just talked to him. He's not here. He never arrived here. The printer, your the printer. printer turned oh, twice. on twice. twice when I was trying to tell my story at the beginning. Yes. So um, something else happened. We've something had a, we've had some. Oh, you're, well, you keep getting emails, but that's right. Not, that's, that's oh yeah, let me push me. Up. That's just the ghost of modern technology. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, no, a lot has happened. We've just had a lot of a, yeah. a lot of weird things that. Aren't oh, and Dexter has uh, the the youngest of, of the three dogs outside uh, has He's been whining quite commonly. A bit vocal. Yes. He's not normally this whiny. Yeah, he's, he's, he's kind of freaked out about something. Where was I? So <laughs> you were with, uh, so uh, you had this large like, rectangular yes. room and we were kind of riffing was... on the fact that your brother had a smaller right, one. Right, right. So because I... we think your brother just freaked <laughs> your parents out. So they were like, fuck, you get the smaller room. Uh, you, you have to be sandwiched in between the two bedrooms so that you can feel safe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so I was, I was going to bed and um, something, I don't remember what, forced me to, it caught my eye, you know, I've never gone to sleep immediately, so I was just kind of laying in bed, trying to fall asleep, and, um, I looked up at the, uh, corner, kind of catty corner from my bed on the opposite side of the room, and there was this weird, and the lights were off, um, and there was this weird thing in the corner of my room, like, up high, like, touching the ceiling, 
and it was small. It was about, you know, I don't know, the, the size of, I don't know, my head, like <laughs> my head now. Um, and so <laughs> not when I was a kid and, uh, and I, I wasn't freaked out. It was more like, what is that? Because clearly, you know, it's not a spider on the ceiling. That was always my first thought. Um, but I was like, what is that? And I kept staring at it and I kept trying to figure out what the hell I was looking at. And then it started moving. Just, just these very like quick kind of erratic movements, like stop motion movements. That's how I've always described it. Um, and then it started moving uh, forward. It wasn't just moving in place. It started moving forward and it was like floating in the air. And I realized um, two things. One, that it was floating near me, or floating towards me in this uh, in my bed across the room. Um, and th this is the part that has always given me pause because it sounds so ridiculous. But what it looked like was, you know, like like a like a gloved Mickey Mouse hand. Mm -hmm. Looked like that. <laughs> Dude, like leaning forward. <laughs> I'm sorry, um, I'm just completely like a absorbed. hand, like like you know. And, and years later, when I played Super Smash Brothers for the first time, and the boss is that giant gloved hand, <laughs> I about had a heart attack. Um, <laughs> holding a bucket. And it was flying, I'm dead serious, it was flying through the air. And this is another reason why I've been torn as to, could it, it was not a dream, because I had not been in bed very long. My parents were still awake. I had just gotten in and was settling down. Um, and it's, it's floating through the air with this bucket, and it's like kind of moving erratically. And there's, I noticed there's like stuff coming out of the bucket because of the way it's moving. And it's flying towards me, flying towards me, and I'm in shock, like I can't, move i'm staring at it well that I'm, was your technique too yeah exactly but i was looking at it so it knew i was awake <laughs> and i was just so terrified and so finally at the very last minute i bolted out of bed and ran down the hall another reason why i don't think it was a dream ran down the hall screaming for my parents who i knew were still awake and i run into their room and i'm like oh my god something's in my room something's in my room, something's in my room. i can't huh, huh, huh. and i'm like panicking and my dad says, you know, <laughs> I'm sure this wasn't the first time something like this happened, so he was kind of over it, but he was like, listen, like they turned on all the lights in the hall. He goes, go to your room, turn on your light. I'll be there in a second. And I was like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And he's like, Just go be a big girl. And I was like, Fuck. and so <laughs> I marched down the hall, flipped on the light, which was much more easily access accessible than the basement light. And um, waited in the doorway for my dad. I was looking all around the ceiling, nothing was there. But I went over to my bed and I realized that nothing was there. And of course, you know, I'd flip the sheets off so that the, the bed was open. There's sand in my bed. What? Yep. So I call that story Demonic Sandman. <laughs> oh no. And it wasn't a lot, but I remember. Could I you ever remember. listen to the song Inner Sandman? Was that a problem <laughs> for you? Not back then. I mean, I, I have listened to the song. <laughs> it's like, that was, but, your parents um, were super hardcore. Not back then. No, no, my, my dad was a Doors guy. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Um, gotcha. <laughs> but no, and I remember going over to the bed and wiping, wiping stuff off of my sheets. That is okay. So immediately, my mind goes to what you were saying about your brother having the experience of being, you know, thinking he'd gone to the beach and feeling the sand between his toes and and smelling the salt in the air. Like yeah. that's that's a weird that, that was tie in. That was years apart. But yeah, but still. I mean, what a what a fascinating like yeah. definitely recurring theme with the two of you. It. Yeah, never been able wow. to explain it ever. And the fact that and it's it's interesting that I, I so sometimes. Um, uh, in the literature, 
of real life experiences, be they paranormal or, or what have you, uh, it's it's often that uh, the the people experiencing it will have these absurd experiences, like oh, well, you know, it's the ghost of W. C. Fields came out of a cigar shaped box, and you know, it's <laughs> and it makes it it makes them sound insane. Um, and that but, explains but David Lynch. That's all the more. That's all the well, exactly. That's all the more reason to to really accept the stories because no one would have that experience. No one would fabricate that story no. thinking anyone would buy it. Yeah. Um, but I there's a there's a uh, there's a, a school of thought among paranormal researchers that believes that when uh, otherworldly presences visit human beings, that they're it's really hard for us to get our heads around them, mm-hmm. uh, even when we're children. Uh, yeah. Maybe even especially when we're children, because we, we we have fewer things to kind of you know help us interpret what mm-hmm. we're going through. Mm-hmm. So we think, oh, it's just a dog, or it's just a person. Um, but there's a school of thought that when you have these experiences, that what you're seeing is something, or what you're experiencing is, has no choice. It, your mind has to make sense of it somehow. Yeah. So it will just kind of cast something in the role of what you experienced. So what you're seeing, you know, in this weird kind of Mickey Mouse gloved hand with mm-hmm. the bucket was something else entirely, but that was the only way My your, mind your childhood mind well, knew how to make... it together the pieces. Like, what's the condition that we all have where we make faces out of things like our brain will see a right. face oh yeah right. i forgot right. what that's called but that's a real thing and you see a lot of pictures where they're like oh, there's a face in this in this uh mm-hmm. window or whatever and it, nine times out of ten it's no those are just leaves making a shadow that your mm-hmm. brain is seeing a face because that's what our brains are trained to do that's what yeah. we do but it happens with, the, the with presences that you know we lack the ability to get our heads around your brain will there there's a there's a well-known uh, macular degeneration disease in in the elderly uh as far as i know it only occurs in the elderly and i cannot remember what it's called it's named after its discoverer but they wait hold up you don't remember the name of something? <laughs> I don't. Write this so, day down. <laughs> um, I wish I knew. I, I, but you can look it up. It's uh, and it's it's very common for um, these for those people as they, as they as their uh, eyes as their vision begins to go for the brain to begin to kind of produce something to kind of fill in the blanks oh, that's of their vision uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that, that's occurring in, in the periphery of their vision. Oh my because God. They, it, it, <laughs> if I remember correctly, the, the particular type of macular degeneration involves their peripheral vision beginning to kind of corrode. So the brain begins to kind of fill in the blanks. Yeah. And so these, uh, a lot of elderly <laughs> people will talk about like, yeah, I don't know why, but you know, Kermit the fucking frog was in was sitting in the corner of my room, or Mickey Mouse. You know, they'll have those experiences, yeah. and that's a very real thing. Well, the, the, the a really good um, example of that on a less detrimental side is uh, the blue dress, white dress. Thing yeah. Oh happened. yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the same exact thing, and it's based upon different colors that you can see. But your brain is putting together mm-hmm. what those colors are. The dress is black and and blue, but I always saw it as gold and white. And mm-hmm. there's this, when I when I look at it, there's this weird thing that will happen. Like when I see one that's been made and filtered so that you see it blue, um, and I go back, it will change from white and gold slowly mm. into blue and black. Oh wow! It's a it's a very cool technique. I Once wish everybody can, could experience. I need to guess, <laughs> but but all that is to say that there's a school of thought among paranormal researchers that think that whatever form 
paranormal experiences take for the experiencer that they tend to wear whatever your mind cloaks them with that there is something there something Mm -hmm. actually happening and the phenomenon is undeniable especially when it leaves physical evidence as as is often the case but that what you see is something especially in memory that your brain just goes I don't know what that was so we're going to make it a glove Blowing yeah. a bucket, you know, who knows what it really was, but right. there was clearly something there. Well, and the, I think the mo- the scariest thing is it was so high up. Right. Like, one of the scariest right. things in horror movies is when people put stuff up high, because no one ever looks up high. Right. And yeah. so it's one of those, like, when you see it, because you're not used to, like, if anyone saw, um, oh god, what was it? It just came out. It was a movie that just came out. Hereditary. Oh, I haven't uh, seen it yet. I won't spoil anything, but they do a lot of that, where they'll show you a clip of a room, and you look where you're used to looking to see scary stuff, and it's always somewhere that you're not looking. Yeah, that's and when you so, stand everywhere all the yeah, time. That's, that's brilliant. The, and, you know, that's what I love about the original Halloween by John Carpenter. Like, it, say what you will about, you know, it's kind of old-fashioned now, but there's a lot of film, a lot of camera work in that film mm-hmm. that... You know, Michael Myers, the you know yeah, the slasher, is there yeah. and has been in the shot for a while, and only mm-hmm. after you know yeah. someone else moves out of uh, out of frame do you realize he's there, and it's so much more shattering to see Absolutely. that. You're like, oh my god, he's been there the whole time, and I couldn't see him. <laughs> um, you know, that kind of thing really gets to me. But your brain does that. There's there's actually a blind spot in your peripheral between your peripheral and and the you know, the area of focus where you cannot it's a it's a literal blind spot and your brain will fill in the gap so if you are ever looking at a patterned wall like wallpaper or tile floor or something there is a you can sometimes see it in your periphery this little this little band where there's just nothing uh, but your brain, you don't see it often because your brain is programmed to just fill in that, that gap out. just well, to give your visual field. Yeah, mm-hmm. It fills in, it, whatever it pattern your brain is recognizing, mm-hmm. it fills in, mm-hmm. no matter what, everything's a pattern. Yeah. So it'll fill it in. But this so, is just, this is an example of pretty much any time the three of us are together, this is what happens. <laughs> yes. Um, it's yes. my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Alexis, thanks <laughs> so much. Oh, yes. you've been so oh, great. thank so you so much for having no. me. This was so great. And you know great. this is not the only time you're going to be on the show. <laughs> oh, I hell no. We know it. Um, like, well, I mean, like yes. you said, we, 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 well, hmm. I don't know that one. That's Alexa. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. That was right behind me and that terrified me. Oh my god. I'm done. I'm done. The Amazon Echo was right behind her. Oh my god. I was just going to say, Alexa. That this is basically what we do anyway, so it's fun to have it immortalized in some way. God. Yes. Um, uh, notice she didn't reply to that. It's, but you know what's funny though? Speak honest. So if we, if I'm too ever much having, shit is happening tonight. I know. I know. Uh, if we have a party or whatever, and Alexis is over, she went off again. Um, Oh. She'll like the music will be turned off because we usually have music in the background, and if somebody says her name, then it'll listen and sometimes turn the music off and stuff like that. So th- th- that's explainable. That's easily. It just okay. was terrifying for you because it was right behind you, <laughs> uh, and it was a woman's voice gonna, I didn't recognize. To, right. We're just gonna have to start calling you like yeah. Samantha or something. I know, right? just to, to clear up any confusion. Oh. But, Really, uh, but anyway, it's, it's thank you so a, much. Yeah, it's such yeah. a pleasure to have you on because <laughs> you, you are. I love your stories, but I also love the you know the the, the amount of thought you've put into your experiences when you tell them oh. like it could be this. <laughs> thank you. And I, I love your insight into into it because I mean that's 
I, it, it makes you all the better of a storyteller, in my opinion. And I just, well, I don't know. There's a lot coming from you. Yeah. And uh, so this isn't the last Alexis we'll hear her. Woohoo! Yeah, so I hope you sure. didn't hate my presence on this episode, everybody, because I'll be back! Impossible! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's it for today's episode of Ghoul Intentions. Thank you so much for listening. And do not forget, this Wednesday, we will be live streaming a Q&A about today's episode on Twitch. That will be October 3rd. So all three episodes will do Q&A at once. Um, and you can find us at ghoulintentions.com. Yes, I'm... And on Twitch on at Ghoul Intentions. Yes. And again, thank you to everyone that submitted. Please continue sending us your submissions. They're really, really wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, go to ghoulintentions.com for links to our social media sites, our blog, previous episodes, and, of course, most importantly, where you can submit your own personal supernatural experience for consideration to be read on a future episode. Uh, okay, so we come to the point in where Jamie's going to give it's us the sign-off quote, and I have to figure <laughs> it out. Okay, are you ready? No, but go for it. That rug really tied the room together. <gasps> I know this one! I actually know this really? one! Really? What is it? Yes! The Big Lebowski! Oh, yay! <laughs> I was hoping. Alexis, was hoping. you're totally our, my good luck charm. I know. <laughs> it was good. I tried to make it a little easier on you this time. That, oh, oh, now you... Why you gotta say that? <laughs> because, because I tried to make it easy on you last time. Really? That was you. That was you trying to make literally it easy? everyone who's listened to that so far knows the quote. I said like four words, and Alexis knew what it was. Yes. You know what? <laughs> Fuck all of you. I've been busy reading books. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Thank you guys, and we will see you next time. Bye bye. Bye. Alexis, say goodbye. Bye. Alexa. Say goodbye.